Where are you going? Uh, my name is Charlie. I'm an addict. Oh, am I really loud? Maybe I don't need the microphone, huh? As usual. Oh, first of all, I, I need to let you know I'm really nervous. Um, one of my very best friends is sitting in front to support me, and she's closing her eyes praying for me right now. I know her. <laughs> I've been going through some things, not unfamiliar to any of you. When I accepted speaking here at your convention, I everything was wonderful <laughs> that day. But it's, it's um, something that's going on that's very dear to my heart, um, and it's got to do with the work I do for a living. And I am, I'll talk about it later, I just wanted to say that, that that's something else that's going on, and it's, it's affecting me, and I need to be okay to be in that pain right now, you know, and I just need to let you know that, and thank you for your tolerance. Um, and while I'm saying thank you, I also want to thank the committee. Um, uh, I've, I've been thinking about the theme of this convention, which is sharing the gifts. I want to make it plural, you know, um, but actually it is one, but it is plural, and that's the gift of recovery, which encompasses so much, um, and, and it's very individual for each of us, I, I think. Um, now, is there anybody here that doesn't know how to use drugs? Okay, so I can eliminate that part of my story, right? Okay, good. Uh, I got here in, in August uh, of 1984. And I have not found the need to go back out since. Um, and what worked for me was the simplicity, the simplicity of this program that you don't take nothing, no matter what. You know, I was told by by some of the old timers, you know, if your ass falls off, we'll teach you a new way to fit. You know, um, I was told a few things that, that were really helpful in the beginning. Um, there's two things to remember. One, there is a God. Two, you're not it. No. Um, I was told if you have one foot stuck in the past and another foot stuck in the future, what are you pushing on? No. I, little things like that kept me clean <laughs> for the longest time. Um, but when I got here, I also need to tell you that dying would have been a welcome relief. It just didn't happen. I tried a few times. I didn't try several times, and still, I just couldn't die, you know? It looks like I was here for the stretch. And, and... <clears throat> I never got it that if I would put down drugs, things would get better. You know, because drugs wasn't my problem, you were. You know, if you just did things the way I wrote it, everything would be fine. And I thought I didn't need anybody. When I got to this program, I knew everything. And I'd been around the block so many times, I had worn a pack in the concrete, you know. Um, and after one year here, the one thing I could tell you with utmost authority is that I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything. That much I knew. <laughs> but I didn't know shit. So at that point is when I started to build. How many of us know what a boundary is? Oh, good. 
as women being socialized in, in the United States, we have we've automatically been given the role of nurturer, caretaker, provider, babysitter, da 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 no matter what your story, something happened that turned that around, that, that developed what I call adult teens charge card for life, and that's the fuck it. You know? You charge everything up to that fuck it, I'm out of here. You know? So that's all I knew how to do when I got here. <laughs> oh, and the guinea way over here. I'm still short, so. I also didn't know how to communicate when I got here. I knew how to go up in your face. I knew how to call you all kinds of names. Everything I had ever learned. But I didn't know how to talk to you. Um, so starting with that kind of a base, I had a lot of work to do, needless to say. There was, uh, there was someone who, who would tell me to work the steps or die. And that was the reality, and that's what I did. I, I, I had chosen life, and I wanted everything that life had to offer. The first three steps, you know, the the how, the the honesty, the open-mindedness, the willingness, the surrender in, in the first step, Turning it over, making a decision in the second and third step. Um, to me, is is still today a daily practice, and steps four through nine were my action steps. So uh, when I need, when I was up against the wall, you know. I was always trying to knock down the wall. You know, it never dawned on me to turn right, you know. And this is the kind of addict I was. And, and until I was in a corner and fighting, um, I didn't get it. I always had to go to the wall. You know, and, and something happened. And I would love to tell you it's because I worked the best program to the best of my ability because I was just so enthusiastic about being in Narcotics Anonymous that <laughs> wrong. It happened because I was in pain. It happened because I knew. I knew I, I, I couldn't get loaded again. I knew it. Uh, I knew that, that wasn't the solution. And, and, and it comes down to a point where it's like homicide, suicide, or you work the next step. So I would then work the next step. Relationships are a good teacher. I came out of detox. I went in very, very confused. Very confused. I went in... As a full-blown lesbian, I was there for the days I was bisexual, and at the end of the year I was straight. Now, do I belong here or what? Huh? See, the only thing I kept remembering is that don't take nothing, no matter what. Don't take nothing. Walk through it. Don't take nothing. Walk through it. You know, call your sponsor. Do it. This. What's the step? I kept hearing it again and again at meetings. In my first two years in recovery, recovery I didn't do anything 
There wasn't any related, even my relationships. And let me back up just a minute because it's really important to what I'm doing today. If I back up to tell you that I started using at the age of 14. And the way I started using was, this is going to sound so sexist, um, I've had people say that men, I've had men tell me that I hate men more than they ever thought about hating women. No, and I don't know if that's true, but I do know that I have some real strong opinions. Um, and, and, and being in a male-dominated society, I get even more ornery about my opinions. <laughs> anyway, at the age of 14, because of the family dynamics at that point in my life, uh, I had a well, not because of the family dynamics. Um, I had a son, and because of those dynamics, that son was taken away from me, and I was told that he was dead. Okay? And that put me over the edge. I had a breakdown. And these male doctors decided that they knew what my problem was, and they medicated me. You know, that's a quaalude four times a day, and second, I'll just sleep on and it worked. I was a responsible, productive member of society once again, yes. Well, that led to a 20-year drug-induced existence. I'm not going to tell you that it was never fun. I'm not going to tell you it was always awful, because it wasn't. But there was that line, you know, I believe there's like this invisible line we cross to stop using, you know, and for some of us that line is death. And we don't know where it is, we just know once we've crossed it, you know. And I was, when I, I was taken out of the San Diego area, which is where I was living at the time, and I was brought up to San Francisco, where I still live, and I was separated from my boyfriend at the time, and that was 1964. Yes. I was 1964. <laughs> you know, oh, I mean, no, I can deal with this. I, I, it's cool. It's cool. Um, I didn't get here until I was 36 years old. And you know, the main reason, one of the main um, catalysts was the fact that I had lived past 35, and I was really surprised. I, didn't think I'd be alive, you know. And just, I like, blew my mind, you know. Oh, shit, I'm still here, okay. Uh, <clears throat> so, anyway, that's your detox, right, when I'm really confused, right? Was <laughs> I confused? And I thought I was so clear. Uh, I thought I was love and detox, you know, um, with a man, so that was really a problem, because I thought I was a lesbian. So I, <laughs> I was very confused. Um, I don't think about six months record time for me. Um, but he went back out. And the only thing that I had learned of real value and worth is that I couldn't. And that nothing, and I meant nothing or no one, could come between me and my recovery. That, that had to come first if I was going to do anything. Um, I started, my first job in recovery was um, throwing papers. You know, you you know those throwaway papers you get at your house or your apartment, you want to just (laughs) throw. I started at 4 o'clock in the morning, 
only female in a truck of all men. Their six o'clock coffee shop was for at the Seven Eleven for beer, you know, and I would drink coffee. That was my first job. And then I managed the store after that, and that said my control issues very well. Oh, I was a bitch on wheels. Oh. And for the grace of my higher power, uh, I, I lost that job. The, the vocation went out of business. And I spent the next year working on me. I needed it. Well, I just things like clean houses. Very kind of mindless stuff that I could just concentrate on what I was doing here. Here. Well, when I got here, I heard somebody talk about, talk, where is she? There you are. Talking about, this morning about trusting their gut, or not trusting their gut. Um, and I didn't when I first got here. Because my gut had betrayed me time and time again. One of the things I've learned in recovery, trust your gut. You know? Your gut is no longer polluted. <laughs> no, you can trust it. I've had to work a few four steps. Of course, needless to say, one is kind of beyond relationships. <laughs> but I was very confused. Um, and I, I learned a lot. And entailed in that one four step was that I had to forgive my real father. See, I thought I was picking men that were the complete opposite of him. Because... He had blonde hair, he was six foot four, and he was an Irishman with blue eyes. And so all the men that I picked were Mexican, had dark hair, and, and brown eyes, and so therefore they were different. Okay? You can see the difference, see? You know? <laughs> so when I did the fourth step on relationships, I, I had an opportunity to see the similarities. And I had an opportunity to, to learn that resentments are a number one killer for addicts. Nothing will take you down quicker than a resentment. And I had to forgive my father. It took me three years. It started with things like, you know, <laughs> you were saying last night when you had to get on your knees to pray. <clears throat> As a, as a dope thing, you know, somebody who looked good was important. I wasn't getting on my knees for no motherfucking no time soon. You know? Well, guess what? I would do it, but I would do it in my studio apartment, in the bathroom, which had a black painted window, on one knee, hanging onto the door, just in case. You know? <laughs> just in case, you know, a fire or something like that, and somebody had to break down my door and might catch me on my knees. <laughs> you know? And I would go, you know, God bless that rotten, no good son of a bitch, and you know who I'm talking about. About six months later, it was, you know, um, God bless that son of a bitch, you know who I'm talking about. Now, three months after that, God bless, and I say his whole name, and very formally. And then I got to, God bless my father. Then I got to, God bless my dad. Then I got to, God bless my dad, and I really do wish him well. It took three years. I had to write about it. I had to talk about it. I would love to say you didn't have to write in this program, but, mm mm. No such animal you do. And there's an incredible healing in writing. Incredible healing. And I utilize it often. Um, and I finally had a face-to-face meeting with my father 20 years down the road. And he was trying to tell me, as he's introducing his fourth wife to me, who was my age, you know, about how 
He kept picking these younger women as his way to make amends to me. Yeah, right there. You know, and I, I said, you know, and I looked at him in all honesty, not realizing what I had said. I said, well, yeah, I can relate to that. I kept picking these really sick son of a bitches that were just like you. No? And my father, he just looked at me. He goes, you know, it was from the heart. What can I say? Uh, and things started to change in my life. I started to change. My focus started to change. I wasn't attracted to the abusive people anymore. I no, no longer found them interesting or exciting. Um, I got interested in wanting to go to school. Okay. And this is coming from somebody that spent less time in school than anybody I know, but didn't like to drop out. I would show up like homeroom and disappear for the rest of the day, you know. That was my MO. And I decided I'm going to go to college. <clears throat> Let me tell you about my first semester at college. Just to give you an idea how far I've come, okay? My first semester of college, I get my report card. It's one of those, you know, computer kind of printout sheets, and I get this thing and I peel it back, and I'm looking at my grades, and, and I look down below, and it's got Adder, and then it's got Dean's list. I got in my car. I drove down to the school, to the college. I got out, I went into the dean's office, and I said, I want to talk to the dean. I want to know, look, I punched nobody out, I've been turning in my homework, I have been here. What the hell am I doing on a dean's list? <laughs> the dean's secretary tried to explain to me that that was good. I didn't know that. It seems that I had been in school was, was never good. I didn't know there were two, okay? Right? God. And something else happened that same first year. Sarah's going, yeah, good. Uh, certainly did. I got a letter in the mail. I was at my godmother's house. And I sat down with her. I was talking, you know, and, and I'm, going, I'm going through my mail because I get mail there. And there's this letter. And there's a thing stamped on it about the VA Department of Corrections has not censored that other. It's a prison letter, right? And I open it up, and letter began something like this. It says, um, forgive the intrusion, but I'm on a quest for a lady. Charlie, are you that lady? Are you my mother? I was. <laughs> um, after I got over the initial shock, my godmother, who had been around during this time, I started asking questions. Um, and I got some answers that I didn't like. So it was a very good possibility. Yes, indeed, this was my son. So I sat down and I wrote a 12-page letter to him. I told him everything that I knew. And I also told him that, you know, if that's all he wanted to know, I understood. Um, but I didn't know. I, I, I don't have a clue. I don't know anything about being a mom or a mother. Uh, I only knew about being honest at that point, and that's what I was. But I did include my phone number, <laughs> just in case. Uh, 
Well, the phone rang that morning, and it was my son. I went back to the Virginia, Virginia Penitentiary, and I visited him. That was an incredible day. It was actually two days. It was the first day I just kind of crying, laughing, ate nice fucking <laughs> so just I was everything, whatever. We were going through it together. And I came back here. I'm still in school. He's still in my life. He's also still back in the penitentiary. Cute kid. Um, there was also, when he found me, he found his father. Hmm. How do I explain this, Sarah? His father at the time was married. Of course, the man is a Mormon. That sounds judgmental, and I'm sorry. I just have a problem with organized religion, any of them. So, my stuff. Um, He's not married anymore, and he's what they call a Jack Mormon. Bounces in and out. He's confused. But he's also living with me today. We've been reunited after 28 years to work it out the way it was supposed to be worked out in 1964. So my life has truly come full circle. And one of the nicest things that I have, one of the greatest gifts that I have to give, in this program of Narcotics Anonymous, is the gift of self-love, self-esteem, and compassion for others. No? Um... And women, I have to tell you, that you all got a head start on this. <laughs> Over those guys. Um, <laughs> I believe, I believe the psyche has like four quadrants, and there is our physical, and there is our affect, our feelings, our emotions, there is our intellect, and, and there is our spiritual. Okay? And as women, we have been encouraged to be nurturing in our aspects, in our feelings. And many of us shut down for years and didn't open up. And we come here and we can. A lot of us don't know that. A few of us need to be reminded. But we have that common bond. I love the women in this program. You're very rare. You're very special. You're very unique. You're very loving, giving, sensitive. You're intelligent. You're smart. You're so smart. I don't think that makes me a man-hater, but hell, I don't know. <laughs> I just have less tolerance, you know. Um, I seem to have a whole lot more tolerance for the women. Um, probably, I think it's called empathy, because I am a woman. And I understand. And I understand the range of emotions. And our fifth tradition states that the primary purpose is to carry the message to the addict who still suffers. 
Sometimes on the attic she still suffers. So that, if that means I need to go to a meeting and, uh, you know, give it up, then I need to go to a meeting and give it up. There's a difference in time between quality and quantity. They can be mixed together. They're not always are. Just because somebody has 10 years of recovery doesn't mean that they have 10 years of recovery, if you know what I mean. I've heard some real pearls of wisdom come out of the mouth of newcomers. It's like if they only realized that they were saying, you know? <laughs> but in time they do. In time they do. If they stick around. How many of you are in your first year? Can I see? Phew, been pretty crazy. <laughs> I was straight up lunatic in my first year. There's two things I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. One is puberty, and the other, the other is my first year in recovery. Huh? <laughs> I want to close. I want to end. Um, I need to let you know that that. I'm really glad to be here. I need to let you know that I'm really glad I have Richard in my life today. That's a learning experience. He is not one of us. Um, that's an experience. Yeah. He's very level, you know, calm all the time. <clears throat> and I'm not. <laughs> um, and what I do today Today, I'm still a student. I had to cut that down to part-time, and, and I work full-time. And what I do is I work with developmentally disabled adults in a residential setting. One of the most interesting things about it, when I started, I was just what's called an ILS trainer, Independent Living Skills Trainer. And a woman that hired me, hired me, because, not just because I had a sponsor, but because I had sponsees. She figured if I had sponsees, I must have patients. <laughs> and she was right. She was right. You know, and, and I've grown to love the profession I'm in. You know, um, if success is, is doing what you love and loving what you do, then I am very successful. Um, and this is this I'm going to close with something I always like to close with and it's for the newcomer but not really for all of us it's something I need to remember sometimes Like now. And it goes like this. What the world, oh, excuse me, what the caterpillar sees at the end of its world, the universe sees as a butterfly. Thank you. About half an hour left. I'd like to hear for some, some oh, yeah. from <laughs> some more women. Would anyone like to come up and share? I can call on you. Charlie, call on. <laughs> Give me some control here. Oh yes, that's just what I need. My name is Charlie. I'm an addict. Isn't that interesting? I thought the meeting was almost over. My watch, my watch is on my phone. 
<coughs> and on your glasses, this is getting ridiculous. Um, but there are many women that have some incredible strength, growth, happiness, and recovery. And you're all sitting in this room. And we're going to do a round robin. We're going to do a round robin, which means I will call on someone and then you call whoever that person is and you call and cetera and so it goes. And hopefully this will all stay on the tape. All right. Sheila. I'm Sarah and I'm an addict. I have never been in front of this large group of people without reading something printed. Surely <laughs> thanks. I love you a lot. Without your strength and hope, I might not be standing here. Um, I was in a meeting earlier this morning and somebody was talking and I needed to be there. Everything she said is everything I've been going through. And um, I've been real emotional since that marathon meeting. And um, it's about feelings. And um, and my inability to like share them with people on a group level, it's very hard for me to do it individually. Um, I've been around for a while, been around since August 85, and I get this idea in my head that I can't be in pain anymore at meetings, that um, it's not what the newcomer needs to see, and, you know, we need to put on this act that you've been around for a while and you work the steps and you practice the traditions, but, and then everything's okay, you know, it's like we need, and it's not, that's not the way it is. Shit happens, things hurt. And um, I've been learning a whole lot about myself, about how I can't make decisions and how I get involved with men I really hate. <laughs> um, but I talk myself into being in love with them because that's like my last chance. And um, it's been about my learning how to do this stuff and learning how to tell you guys that I really fucking hurt sometimes and um, it's not always easy. And... But, you know, no matter what I don't use, I'm very lucky that the first four years of my recovery, I spent building a very strong, solid foundation. So when a few years ago the shit really started hitting the fan for me, I had that to fall back on. Um, I knew what to do instinctively, you know, and I've been doing it. And it's not bad all the time, but some days are worse than others. I've also learned in this program that um, the women here are very special to me. It's like the men have dropped me on my ass with my help, but the women have been the ones who have helped me pick my ass back up off the floor and sit it down in the seat again. And I am eternally grateful for that. When I came here, I didn't trust women. You guys couldn't do shit for me. I was told to go to a women's meeting. I said, uh, sorry, wrong. <laughs> you know, there's, there's like no money involved in a women's meeting for me. There's like nothing I could get out of that. But I was told to do it, and I did it. And um, I'm very glad now I did. And um, I'm very lucky that I've learned to trust women. And it's um, been a real big gift. And for those of you who are in there, stick around because the gifts of my recovery are too great for me to count. You know, I'm in pain, but I know on the other side, there's a lot of joy. And thank you. Is there anybody that would like to come up here and say something? My name is Irene Lemonatic. And I just want to share with you that um, last week I celebrated 11 years clean.
by the way, I'm from Fresno, and uh, I have this sponsor that um, I don't talk to very much, but you know what, I watch her all the time. I take her inventory all the time. I fire her constantly, she never knows it. And you know what, I follow her footsteps. That's my sponsor, Jackie. I'm proud of her. Um, I've seen her walk the shit that people would have got loaded over. I've seen her work the principles of this program. And you know what? I try to do the same. I just want to tell you that I love you, Jackie, for starting my car synonymous in this area. And I'm proud of you. Thanks. Hi, my name is Marlene. I'm an addict. Hi, Marlene. Oh, God. I just love talking to people. Um, let's see. I've been in the program for about three years. And when I came in here, I came in here to um, oh, continue to do what I was doing. I wanted someone to complain to, and I wanted to um, to change men in the meetings. And... Uh, and I wanted some place to um, use people, and so I found it all here. And I didn't have to do any steps for a long time. And when I started to do steps at around six months clean, then I quit using people and chasing men and uh, hung out with a gay guy. <laughs> I didn't have to chase anybody. And um, he's really cute, too. But ever, since I've been here, I've been through... Um, the feeling stuff, and I feel like I came out on the other side. I've I've done uh, exactly what I was supposed to do. I feel like I have. I've um, uh, stayed real, honest. I came to meetings and told you exactly what I was doing. You know, even if it looked really ugly and it didn't look like it was in the book, and but it made me look like a human, which I, human being, which I am. And uh, that way I stayed away from drugs. If I could come in here and do that. And one thing I've always believed in and always said is that Narcotics Anonymous doesn't make you stop using drugs, but it helps you want to live so that you don't want to use drugs anymore. And, um, you know, if you're new here and and you don't know if this is what you want, you know, um, there's a lot of people in here who are more than willing to share their experience with you and, and uh, so that you don't feel left out. You know, when I came here, I didn't deal with a lot of women. I dealt more with, um, well, my sponsor sponsored more men than she did women. And uh, so I hung out with them, and they became my brothers, because she always told me that I couldn't fuck my brothers. I don't know, I just learned to... Um, do everything different than I used to do out there. And that was, you know, to keep an open mind and, and be honest with myself and, and be willing to do no matter what it took to stay clean. That meant go to meetings and across town or 135 miles away or um, just show up. And I think I've done everything. I've cried a lot and uh, and I've been real and... And I shared. I just just done it all. And the only thing I haven't done yet is is um, went back out because I think that when I came in here I was like done using. Um, my story is, is probably like everybody else's. You know, I just I hit a really you know awful bottom. I had run out of bright ideas, and um, this is where I ended up. And I'm really happy I'm here. So I've met a lot of wonderful friends. You know, I'm from Washington State originally, but I ended up with a California sponsor when I first got clean. She's from Sacramento. And um, that was my first sponsor. And she always told me that NA down in California would kick my ass. And I told her I'd never move back here, but I ended up here. <laughs> well, you know, I guess it kicked my ass. I'm still clean. Thanks for letting me share.
Shirley, I'm an addict. Hi, I, I know I'm nervous when I forget to tell you what I came up here to tell you, you know. Um, one of the things that I, I, it is at the base of, of my recovery, it is my recovery, that is all I do think, feel, act, say, is my spirituality. Right? Um, I'm so used to just living this program the way it's supposed to be done, I forget how to tell you how to do it. Um, that you're, that, that you're gonna listen to me or something. But, um, I need to let you know that for me, when I first got here, when I first drove up, I had a real problem with the word God. I don't know too many of us that don't. I got into service at that year thing, did service about four years, and my big main thrust was to like defect the sin. You know, um, but you know, when, when I was in the pain, and, and it meant yet another surrender and recovery, I had to let go. And I was not willing to turn my will and my life over to the care of the God I was raised with. That was a vengeful, gonna get you. You were a born sinner, kind of God. No, thank you. And that that God still does not work for me today. I'm asking to create a God as I understood a God. I had to create a higher power that was there, that is there, that will be there. And that's what I did. Because in steps 10, 11, and 12, our maintenance steps, it's imperative. Now, if I had to target two steps that I think make a difference, that I call, I would call the keys to unlock the gifts that this program has to offer, I would say it would be the third and the eleventh step. Huh? The difference between us and the umpteen recovery facilities around is that many of them do not emphasize any tool, tool, anything towards or liking to you know, a spiritual recovery. They hook you up with cross-step programs and say, you know, this is what you need to do for ongoing recovery. But that isn't their focus. Their focus is to basically change your behavior. Uh, and so many of you from home, you know, therapeutic communities will come here. And, and those are the ones that I see still clean. Those are the ones that I see change. Those are the ones that I see with a smile on their face and nobody knows why, but that's okay, you know? Those are the ones that I see that I called the winners when I got here, right? That I called the winners while I am here. And that I still call the winners as long as I will be here. No, they're the ones that got what I want. And and I just, my mind went sideways for a minute, which is nothing new in recovery. (laughs) Anybody that says it is, we've seen me after the meeting. (laughs) Can I also need to tell you? But while I've been sitting in this depression, I need to tell you what I'm doing about it, too. I, we have had a change of administration where I work. And that change 
as new administrators have their own agenda. They always do, you know. But and that they've got a lot of new, exciting, really interesting things as far as the clients I work with go, and I'm looking forward to that. However, I've, I've gotten this one house director that is, I seem to be a threat to her. Honesty is not always the best policy as far as she's concerned. So while I have done things like, like get the highest raise I can get in February, I've been formally written up in April. I was suspended in June, right? It kicked up a lot of stuff. One of the things it kicked up, like, whoa, I didn't hear before. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. You know, um, this is not okay. I will not be abused. Not this time, uh-uh. Well, I have the strength to say, no, this is not okay. No, so I had to go and see people. No, 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 not those people, Louisa. <laughs> no, anyway. <laughs> Don't look at that. Mm-hmm. The legal people. No, because apparently I'm going to have to do battle with these people. I'm not real crazy about the idea, but I will not be abused. So I've got to walk through this, you know, and and that's what's been happening. And it's real new. Instead of doing the automatic charge card, you know, instead of going... Okay, I'm not here. I don't need this shit. I'm standing up and saying no. This is not okay. You Hi, everybody. This is weird, standing up in front of all these people. I'm Lynn, and I'm an addict. I'm from San Rafael, which is the Bay Area, a little bit north of here. I want to thank you, Charlie, for your really moving talk. I'm, I felt moved to tears for the first time in a long time. It feels good. I think it's um, not sadness. It's just a feeling of having feelings. Um... I noticed for me, for myself and my profession, I'm an intern, a psychology intern, that I went into this profession and I was still using I went to school and I was still using You can't hear. Is that better? All right. I went to school and I was still using, and I really thought I knew a lot about a lot of stuff. And what I'm finding out as I'm now in my internship and doing it, I know so little. I know nothing. And I'm scared. I'm really scared. I feel like, although this is what I want to do, I wonder why I'm there. I feel like I should go back and do my whole schooling over again. And somehow that tied into listening to you and just knowing that if I'm coming from my gut, then I'm coming from the right place. And for so many years, I just talked. And it sounded really good. I knew how to be in a patriarchal, a man's world. I knew how to talk it all. I knew how to say it. I knew the words. I was smart in school. I knew how to write. Now I have to do it, and I have to be with it. And it's fucking hard. So I want to thank you for the opportunity to shed a few tears and to be moved. And I hope I can take that with me to my clients and to the world. Thanks. My name is Mary and I'm in at You've made a really special because you're right. We have a common bond and I'm a newcomer. 
and this is my first convention, and I'm feeling all these things that I don't understand, but that's okay today. I don't have to understand everything today. I've been hiding behind my addiction, saying I'm just a pothead and I'm a cocaine addict too. And when I was riding in the elevator today, and the elevator sat down, it brought back the addiction to my head of after you use, and I haven't, I've used cocaine, snorting it, but I haven't smoked it for about five years, and I thought I'd forgot. I realized today when you're an addict, you don't ever forget about addiction or about the disease. It really touched me a lot for you to talk about your son, because my children are a big part of my recovery. If it was for me and my addiction and my disease, I wouldn't have got here. But my children brought me here to thank God for this. My son was born drug exposed and they detained him from me and it was the best damn thing that ever happened in my life. And I just want to keep coming back. And I like what you have. And I like what Mona had last night. I could, this is the most spiritual thing in recovery I've done so far. This is teaching me how to let go. Because I have a lot of old ways I still need to work on and I still need to let go. Which every day I walk down this recovery I'm going to deal with. And I have to do this clean. Being clean to me is part of my higher power too. In my recovery, God, that is what I choose to call my higher power, I have a relationship with Him. And I never thought I could have a relationship with anything but another person. And when I can go get quiet and still with myself and get to know Mary, and who Mary is and what Mary wants, instead of trying to fix people, instead of trying to make everybody happy all the time because you can't do that. You have to make peace and make yourself happy first. And if you don't do that, you're going to be miserable and you're going to stay right where you're at and you're not going to go forward. And I thank God for every woman in this room and every woman that's in recovery standing up for herself because that's what I'm doing, and I've never done it before in my whole life. I have sisters today. I have newcomers that I get to talk to. And I have to be a model for them, and that's something for me, because I've never been a model for anybody in my life. And that's a big thing to me, to have somebody look at me and say, hey, that's, that's all right, that's pretty neat. I come from a real dysfunctional family that you grow up and you never get told, you know what, that's really good. I'm really proud of you for what you're doing. But I don't need that validation from those people today. I can get it from myself and my higher power. He gives me that. Every day when I wake up, I do admit I'm powerless over addiction of drugs and alcohol. And I do say alcohol also because it is a drug, period. And persons, places, and things. We cannot change people. We cannot fix things. And you need to realize that also. Thanks for that, Michelle. My name is Jennifer, and I'm an addict. I'm in my first year of recovery, and I'm a lunatic. <laughs> I mean, I'm a maniac. I never went through a recovery program, but, you know, I haven't been lost on the psychiatric ward. I don't know exactly who I am, but I know who I don't want to be anymore. 
I'm confused and I swear I wasn't going to cry up here, but I don't know exactly what I need to do other than not use. And I know I have a whole lot to learn, but I get a lot of strength and a lot of hope from these meetings. There's one thing that I, I try especially hard to do, and that is look at what we have in common. I try real hard, you know, if the differences come into my mind, I say that's not why I'm here. I think that that's what keeps me coming back to the meeting, is that I know you're all drug addicts too. <laughs> I didn't know exactly, you know, what I wanted to say, but I did want to come up and share because I wanted to say thank you for being there. but the lie is said that women are the weaker sex. You know, the, the, the things we do when we're out there prove to me that I have never been weak a day in my life. If the men I have known in my life, and there have been many, and certainly buried, had to do what I had to do that I all got here very young. So you know, the strength we have as women is because we are the nurturers. We are the people that train mankind to love. We are the people that I do not believe that I live in a male-dominated society. I believe God loved me better. I mean, I had the price built in. You know, and the love that I have and the strength that I have is because I am woman. I do not lack because I am not a man. Uh, I have more because it is more blessed to give. It is more blessed to love than be loved. And certainly the greatest gift of life is to bring another life into this world and be a model for it. You know, I think if you're women and you think that you're less than, shame on you. You know, the only way, I don't think life's about being better than anybody. But you know what? My God told me I am equal to any son of a bitch that walks the face of the earth. And I love to be surrounded by chauvinistic males because they're all tricks anyway, you know. And if they're tricks at my age, for you young people, they really gotta be tricks, you know. But the joy of having male friends and to know that we are bonded as humans. This is not a recovery of segregation. This is a program where I get to be strong when you are weak, and you get to be weak when I am strong, and that has nothing to do with sex or sexual preference. You know, I don't care what you do, just don't do it on my porch, you know? 
But this is a soul program. You know, this is a program that connects us by our very essence. And that is not sexual. You know, I sponsor women because I am a woman, not because men are the enemy. You know, and I have women friends because I know you know, and I don't have to play. I didn't get clean to wear a mask, and I didn't get clean to be segregated from the rest of humanity. That's why I used, because I didn't fit. I'm a child of God, and as a child of God, I'm a child of the King, and that makes me royalty. Thank you. I'd like to thank the readers um, and everyone that shared with us. <laughs> um, and I just want to say a special welcome to the newcomer women um, in the room. <clears throat> like a friend of mine says, you're the lifeblood of our program. Uh, and we love you and we need you. So welcome. And um, I want to thank um, Charlie for sharing. And we've been closing the meetings with the third step prayer, but we don't have a banner in here, and I don't know if everyone knows it. So why don't we make a circle around the center and close with the serenity prayer. <clears throat> 